Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of CBIA's BizCast. I'm Shannon King, and this is week three, working remotely and still recording from the guest bedroom. This morning, I talked with Shannon Merriman, Executive Director of ReadyCT, an affiliate of CBIA working to close the achievement gap and strengthen the school-to-career pipeline. I asked Shannon how ReadyCT has been gathering and sharing resources for educators to successfully teach remotely, how schools are implementing a distance learning program uh, across the state, and for any parents out there with little ones in school, some advice and tips available for keeping the learning going on at home. I do want to give a quick shout out to all the parents out there who are working from home or still have to report to work uh, and at the same time juggle their children's education at home, especially during this trying time. And with that, here's my conversation with Shannon. Well, hi, Shannon. Thanks for uh, joining us today. How is everything going? Uh, well, I think um, it's going as well as, as can be expected given the current state of things and circumstances. Um, I, I am working very hard with our own organization, Ready CT, but also juggling simultaneously the role of being a, a parent of two uh, elementary school age children who are who are going through the the exercise of homeschooling right now. So it's 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 a mixed bag. Sure, sure. Um, so this is actually uh, that's a great place to start. So how has COVID nineteen changed? Ready CT's work um, in the past few weeks, especially given that the legislative session is on pause right now, and of course, every school in Connecticut is now closed um, for the foreseeable future. So, how has the organization's work changed? Sure. So, um, we we obviously had a lot of immediate uh, cancellations or postponements of events that we had in the works, and we're very disappointed that, that those things couldn't happen. Um, but we've tried to stay in touch with individuals who were registered for such events to just keep them engaged and talk to them about some of the things that are a priority for us. For instance, our focus on um, literacy and leadership and literacy, we, we were able to host an event the week before schools closed in Connecticut. And um, we've continued to, to uh, follow up with individuals who participated in that event to see if we can provide additional resources. We're also very active in the computer science uh, arena in terms of expanding access and participation in computer science coursework for all students in Connecticut. And we were supposed to have our uh, largest event of the year, uh, CS4CT Summit, on March 27th in partnership with um, the Connecticut Computer Science Teachers Association and Sacred Heart University. And that's been postponed to October 2nd. Um, But we had a podcast that we had recorded with a computer science educator, and we were able to put uh, put that out to registrants last Friday, and we're going to send that out to a broader audience this week. So a lot of just ongoing communication to keep folks engaged. Um, In terms of our policy work, we, we really are doing more behind-the-scenes efforts in terms of doing our own research and checking in with what other organizations are doing in our state as well as in other states. Uh, just to say, in, you know, first of all, it's just uh, human, you know, in terms of human, humane uh, interactions with individuals, it's nice to hear people's voices uh, and get on massive Zoom calls with hundreds of people who are in a similar boat as you are, um, but learn about what is the appropriate response at this point in time. And, um, we are, we are doing a lot of reflection about what 
it is we are the appropriate role we should be playing at this moment. Um, and some of that is involved uh, responding publicly, putting out, we put out an op-ed in the CT Mirror this week, um, looking at the impact of remote learning on, on children, students, and their families. And that was just our way of, of bringing attention to a, an issue that is really coming to the fore right now. Uh, and then we're just doing a lot of um, uh, kind of checking in on where else would be an appropriate place for us to add uh, to the conversation or put out resources for the community. Yeah, certainly. And I did want to ask you about your op-ed. So um, it was in the Connecticut Mirror yesterday, and you highlighted the need to create and expand a comprehensive statewide plan for remote uh, and and or distance learning, um, particularly for under-resourced schools. So what can the state and school districts do right now to help um, with remote and distance learning um, but particularly when the virus's spread slows down, hopefully in the next few weeks or months, uh, what can schools do to proactively create a remote learning pr- uh, program and plan for all students? Uh, well, so first of all, I want to um, just acknowledge how challenging all of this is for everybody involved, especially our educators and administrators and our families ac- across the state and across the all over the world on, uh, given the extent of this, of this pandemic. Um, but the, uh, the way that the remote learning or, um, online learning approach has played out is that it has, it's just by nature of what's, what's occurred been very reactive. Um, and so you have a state with 169 plus school systems that were all individually faced with this, this reality all at once and had to put a plan into motion. And I think just watching that play out, uh, especially as a parent and seeing how my own uh, school district responded to um, the situation as it was unfolding there, it, it just feels frustrating that it would have to happen in such a piecemeal way, in such a disconnected individual way across our state when there could be mechanisms and, and efficiencies that are realized if we were to pool efforts together in a, in a more centralized fashion. Um, there is a new task force that I know was established last week called the Learn From Home Task Force, which my understanding is, is that it was primarily set up to uh, help with the distribution of donated resources. So, you know, step one with, with any kind of remote learning uh, kind of structure is to ensure that students have access to um, to a digital device, and we're and we it's it's painfully apparent what a divide we have in our state in terms of students who have access to those devices and students who don't. And that that was already there. I mean, that's one thing where there's a little bit of a a, a, a 2020 hindsight of why uh, shouldn't should we have been addressing that all along? I mean, I, I know for a fact there are, there were students we work with really closely in in a couple of districts who were completing their homework assignments and writing entire essays on their cell phones, which is completely uh, unacceptable and not lending itself to high quality learning. Um, But now more than ever, we we need to make sure students have access to those devices. So that's what that task force has really been supporting is that distribution. Um, So I I think our proposal is, is that how does that task force get leveraged and extend to 
take some time uh, in the midst of all this to learn lessons and codify what's worked best um, in terms of the remote learning uh, space and, and then make sure that that's available at, at, as in an on-demand manner as, as, as we could possibly accomplish right now uh, so that districts aren't going it alone. Last question I have, uh, as a parent who is working from home and also is uh, doing their best to help their children distance learn, do you have any advice for other parents out there who are trying to juggle uh, working from home and teaching their children um, or even if they're still working, but they have their children at home um, balancing that. Do you have any advice for parents right now? Well, I certainly don't have all the answers uh, <laughs> as, I'm, uh, uh, as, as I'm learning day by day kind of what works and what doesn't work. Like I mentioned, I did find an excellent video. I have a five-year-old and an eight-year-old. I found an excellent video on the Ellington Public Schools website that was for pre-K through two uh, second grade um, age students and it just was a kind of a level setting video that helped it help the child kind of think about what is the current situation I mean to the extent that a five-year-old can fully wrap their head around things um, what is the current state of things and how should they think about setting uh, getting into a mindset for learning and and she actually my daughter loved it she was absorbed in the entire thing and I think it just um it, it laid some foundation for her to get off to a good start. I think the, the thing I'm hearing most consistent, consistently across my uh, across parent groups that I, I'm tapped into is structure, you know, providing structure to the extent that you can that's fair to the student, uh, to the children, um, as well as to the parents. Um, in the home, uh, we have two working parents who, you know, we're just trying to to take turns, uh, and and then we also have to be to some extent forgiving of ourselves in terms of what can be done and what what can't be done. Um, it I do see that the moments when my children have direct interaction with their teachers, especially live. I mean, there's asynchronous opportunities like a, a recorded video from Ellington Public Schools that I can just play at any time uh, of convenience. But then there's the live. Uh, uh, interactions through Zoom and FaceTime, and when those moments happen for my for my children, is when their faces light up and they develop a, a, another a second wind of of kind of inspiration and commitment to learning. And so I I live for those interactions, and we schedule them throughout the week with their teachers. And so I think the more we can provide those op opportunities, I know that there's a lot of challenges with, again, the software access uh, and even FERPA kind of privacy issues and challenges, but the more we can work through those and allow the teachers to have as direct access to the students, I think that's when the, the real learning does happen and is successful. Uh, but yeah, I think we're all just trying to, to figure it out. And we are going to post um, through our social media channels a uh, video we came across through EdWeek um, that provides seven tips on online learning. And again, I would kind of take that for, for what it's worth and throw out what, what's not of service to you. But, but uh, we, we are going to try to put out resources that help parents as much as possible. 
Awesome. And we'll definitely try to push out those resources as well um, through our channels. Um, well, Shannon, thank you so much for talking with me for a couple minutes. And of course, I wish you the best at home and uh, the best for your family right now. Thank you so much. I same goes for you and for everyone who's out there. I know uh, this is something we've never experienced before. And uh, I do hope that we are strengthening community and working as collaboratively as we can to, to get to the other side of this. So uh, thank you for, for having me. For the latest COVID-19 information, visit CBIA.com. Follow us on Twitter at CBIA News and on Facebook. Call us anytime at 860-244-1900. Stay safe out there.